Hello film lovers and welcome to the place where anything can happen. Yes, hold on to your hats. It's time for the Films I Love Most podcast live. Hello there. Hello. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm okay. So, like, this morning has just been one of those things where I've been trying to get stuff done, but people just keep calling me. (laughs) So, I haven't had a shower yet. I'm sitting here eating my breakfast. So, it's all right. I'm still in bed, so... Whoop, whoop. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be talking to you through mouthfuls of porridge. Lovely. Do you put jam in your porridge? No, I put peanut okay. butter in my porridge. All right, that's okay. Nice, isn't it? Yeah, I have peanut butter on toast for my breakfast. Oh, yummy. Yummy. Hello, we're talking about films. <laughs> Shock horror. Shock horror. Keith Andrew well. talking about films. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. Um, mm. So I have no doubt we're going to go off on a tangent at some point. <laughs> but our main focus today is the film His House. Available in now the middle of the street, his house. In the no. middle of the street. <laughs> too far, too far. <laughs> Killed it. I had to open the window just to, uh, so I don't have to smell myself. And then, um, but you might hear some traffic noises. I do apologise for the traffic. Oh, Nothing I do about it. Just sit your head out and tell them all to shut up. Shut up. Um, <laughs> so his house came out in 2020. 2020. Um, um, on Netflix, directed by uh, Remy Weeks. Um, I don't know if he's directed much before. Um, I mean, he has, but. Nothing really that I could see of note. Fright Bites, I've never heard of that. I've never seen that. So he has made things before, but I've never... Oh, it was something to do with Tenet, according to Google. Something to do with Tenet? Yeah. Oh, let's let's research that thing very quickly. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't. (laughs) Okay. I I can't read. (laughs) <laughs> I, googled, I googled him and then it came up people also search for oh hmm. but yeah no, we if was, you hear me chewing you're going to have to feel dead air <laughs> I'm so hungry 
Anyway, yeah, Remy Williams. And what a cast. I mean, just what a cast. I think the thing about this film, for me, let me just give you a brief description first. So a refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war-torn South Sudan, but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. <laughs> um, it goes a lot deeper than that, right? Yeah. So, let's start off with um, with the elephant in the room. This film is a response, pretty much, to the refugee crisis in the UK. Discuss. Yeah. Um, what do you want me to discuss? How do you think it sets up? How do you think that it deals with that that issue? Um, it's all around us at the moment, isn't it? Let me go. To my, do you know what? Like I said to you this morning, I feel like I watched this film about three years ago. Yeah. Let me go to notes. Let's listen to this voice notes first. Okay. Silence. You are a rat for the NSA. No idea. <laughs> No idea. Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're well. How's your day going? Read the title of the chat. (laughs) (laughs) We're fine. But read the title of the chat and get involved, guys. We want to know your thoughts on His House on Netflix. But we're fine, thank you. Right, I should have made better notes, to be honest, because I was watching it and I was like, yeah, I'll remember everything that happens in this. I thought you were going to get notes. Yeah, I have made notes, but they're not in-depth. That's okay. So I wrote... I wrote the theme behind the film is very important to current times. Yeah. And... Like, I personally wouldn't like to live where they got moved to. Um, but that they feel safer on that estate than and in that house kind of highlights where they are. Well, they talk about you know um, what they've come from. You know, there's two two warring tribes fighting each other and that she had yeah. to get tattoos of both the tribes so that she could basically survive. So she wasn't killed. Yeah. Um, I think that really sets up, you know, what they were doing to them and why they wanted to escape South Sudan to come to the UK. But I think the, the whole yeah. opening sequence of them having to go through the like the process of becoming, you know, have refugee crisis, allowed out of the... Um, of the holding facility, then get moved to a house, which, to be honest with you, isn't, like, it's just not good enough for rats, is it? I mean, that is disgusting. No. That is disgusting. It's a horrible house. Do you think that that uh, mirrors real life? Do you think that that is where we are with, like, you know, crises like we're going through at the moment? Do you think that, like, we're putting people into accommodation like that? I, I'd, I'd hate to say no, but... I, mean, I think, think it. I think we are. 
But I don't know if it's just because there is a bit of a housing crisis in this country, so they're literally putting people where they can. Mm. Even if it's massively substandard. Yeah. I mean, the house they move into has no lights. You know, the wall. There's no wallpaper. There's no furniture. There's no carpets or anything like carpets. The kitchen is like this tiny little thing, and you probably couldn't even cook a proper meal in it. And yet they're they're made to feel lucky for having it. Yeah. Which is the thing that really pissed me off at the very beginning was when Matt Smith's character, the estate agent, is basically going, you've got this whole house to yourself. It's bigger than my house. It's bigger than where I live. Yeah, it's bigger than where I live. But, mate, you've probably got, like, lights that work. You've probably got hot running water, a kitchen that you can actually cook something in. (laughs) I was fuming at the beginning. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I I watched um, the first part of the film with my housemate. And I said to her, I honestly do think that this film is going to boil my blood and I'm not sure if I'm going to make it to the end. If it focuses solely on, you know, these two people and their hardships because of yeah. how, of, because of how the, um, the, you know, government have treated them, the, the organisation, you know, that the government have in place for refugees. If that is... What this film is about, I steam will come out of my ears and I will punch <laughs> something. But it wasn't, so you were all right. Human beings like that. I I don't know. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. Those people are obviously here. Yeah. I mean, the two, the couple in the film. Mm-hmm. Um. Is it Rial and I think it's Bol is is the man's name? Is it Bol? Bol. I can I think Bol. Um, you know, after everything that they've been through, the last thing they want is some condescending estate agent prick coming in and telling yeah. them that they're lucky to have a house which is falling down. I mean, it's horrible. That really pissed me off. And also what really pissed me off was the guy was really trying to get sort of ingrained in British society and culture because they're told, aren't they, like, try and fit in. Yeah. Oh, it was so cute when he went to the pub and he started doing the football chants. It's like, oh. Yeah. I loved it when he went to the barbers. Oh, yeah. And he's really trying to fit in with the crowd, you know. And, uh-huh. um, and his wife, Rial, she's just... She knows there's something not right from the beginning, doesn't she? Yeah. Like, even the neighbour was a bit, like... Yeah. A bit uneasy for me, like... I think, let's just say this now, there is a brilliant twist in this film. Yeah. I did not see it coming, did you? No. Not, not when, I, when, it, when it came on, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. We're not going to mention the twist until you give, unless you need to, to give your theory. Mm-hmm. And we'll give, um, doo, 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 spoiler alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> right now, we're not going to spoil it because the twist at the end of this film blindsided me. 
yeah, it was like one of those hit by a bus moments. Like, don't yeah. see it coming. That was a pun. <laughs> <laughs> People that have that. seen the film will be like, Ooh, "Very good, Catherine. Very good." <laughs> but um, if you haven't seen the film, you're probably just saying, "Get on with it." Um, okay. So, what I really liked about this film as well was the clash of cultures. So you have all of this sort of mythology, you know, the tradition that has come over from like their country over into the UK. And it's, you know, it's very strange, isn't it? To, um, to see like technology and all of the, like the witchcraft really in some way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? To have that taken out of, like Sudan and then put into the UK I thought was really effective what did you think yeah I did one thing that I've wrote down I'm really confused why I've wrote it and you might know why I wrote it I said I can't remember I put that it highlights the racism amongst non-white communities highlights the racism between like non so like within ethnic communities yeah, because there's that scene, isn't there? There's the scene when she um, she has to go to the doctors. Oh, yeah. I remember so that. There's a scene that little kid has to go to the doctors. Tells her to go back to Africa. From, yeah, she's from North Africa. So, like, she's black, obviously. And um, she mm. has to go to the doctors and she gets lost, which I think is a brilliant sequence because I thought there was some sort of time bending thing going on because there's a bit yeah when she start, first started getting walking around but then i was thinking like i've like lived on council estates and things like that and it is like that you feel like you get like you're in the middle of a maze sometimes because everywhere just looks the same yeah and she sees the boy kicking the ball up against the wall doesn't she and then she walks back yeah. around like the same boy yeah like it's the same boy there kicking it and i'm just like oh my god is this like some sort of weird folded in like parallel universe stuff or something <laughs> it's not it's just literally just highlighting her disorientation yeah being lost but then she goes and she sees a group of young um british uh black boys uh like you know messing around mm-hmm. and they approach her and they're racist to her yeah they tell her to go back to africa I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in a film before. No. You see the racism within, within, like, you know, a minority group. Mm -hmm. Like, when he said it, I was like, oh, my God. Like, but then you don't ever really think of racism happening like that. So it was quite a nice touch to kind of highlight it. Yeah. Because it does happen. Oh, definitely does happen. I mean, I'm not saying that this is connected in any way, shape or form, but the only way that I could sort of link it to my reality is within the gay community. There are people that don't like people that are, you know, effeminate. Yeah. Like they will have it on their dating profiles, like no camp, no effeminate, you know, and that's within a community that should be wide eyed, open armed to everyone. Um, but 
like that's no way like linking it to race i'm just like using it yeah, as a, yeah, yeah. like very far out there example yeah but well i see be- it i see it all the time in work because like a lot of the people that i work with there's a group of boys they're all friends but like half of them are like indian and the other half are pakistani and the things that they say to each other it's like oh my god like if they really? if of me sat saying this to one of you is like you'd be calling me a racist like but it's kind yeah. of laughed about because they're both of ethnic backgrounds I, I, I bet it's a psychological thing that um I bet that, you know, someone like Anna, our lovely friend on here, who talks about, you know, relationships and talks about, you know, how people work, really. She's a therapist, could probably talk to us about that. But for me, it was a shocking scene. Yeah. It was like, oh, my God. I think think what's coming out of this chat is that we're talking about the most shocking things in this film even though it is billed as a horror film the most shocking things come from the human interaction yeah i think it's because like you can like the horror side of it it's not real life like you know that the things that happen within the house don't really happen in real life so like the things that you kind of attach yourself to are the things that you do experience in real life and you do see day to day yeah no you're right yeah but it's just funny isn't it like in a film that is billed as like and and if you watch the trailer the trailer is very top heavy with the um more fantastical horror elements Mm -hmm. um but yeah you know i just find it funny that the the moments within not funny i just found it quite shocking actually that the moments within the film that made me go what were the moments of like naturalism and you know naturalistic scenarios like the boys you know telling her to go back like to canada oh canada back to africa (laughs) oh my god blame canada blame canada um go back to africa when you know they are from a minority group themselves shocking um love that sequence there's a lot of sequences in this film that sort of very blend very well with reality and the dream state yeah i agree with that how they did that it was quite good but then like i feel like (laughs) my theory okay well the theory i'm really looking forward to Theory. The, theory the body theory. Your theory. Your theory <laughs> is like that thing that you don't want it to to start because you don't want it to end. <laughs> that's I what, feel like that's you might have the same theory. theory as me, though. So I don't know. Yeah. So let's go more into the technical side of things very quickly. Did you enjoy the the cast, the acting? What did you think of the performances? really really good and do you know what that's the first time i've been freaked out by a film in a long time Mm. because it's not like in your face like horror it's like people hiding behind walls and like when they have like holes in the walls and you see all those faces and like oh it just freaked me out a bit 
It was definitely subtle. It, there, it wasn't about the jump scares because you didn't have yeah. you didn't have the soundtrack for it. You didn't have the like when a, when a jump scare comes, the big you know the violin crescendo like. Ding! You didn't have <laughs> that. It was very quiet. Yeah. There was like flickering and like maybe a little bit of like music in the background, but when the things that actually came to scare you. It wasn't there with bells and whistles. It was just very subtle, I thought, which really yeah. And I mean, I watched it in the middle of the day, which I'm quite glad about because I think if I'd watched it at night, it would have just scared me a little bit. No, definitely. There's there's only one film recently that I've had to watch in the middle of the day, and that was Funny Games, which I'm desperate for you to see um, because I think that you will have so much to say about that film. But um, okay. I'm not, and I'm not talking about the uh, the remake either. I'm talking about the original uh, version. But that's for another time. But the reason why I yeah. had to watch that during the day was because it had such a reputation. But it had a reputation, and then when I watched it, I thought, okay, the reputation it's got is valid, but not for what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to yeah. be violence, violence, violence. It was going to be shocking. It was going to be nasty. It was going to be like sometimes maybe unwatchable it wasn't the violence that got me in that film it was the fact that um i felt i felt like that i felt like that the maniacs in the film had deliberately invited me into a party and that i was participating (laughs) see i can deal with violence (laughs) i bet you can you just kick him in the nuts (laughs) <laughs> Bless you later. Yeah, that's your style. <laughs> but um, how it relates to this is, obviously I had read some things about this film beforehand and people had said, you know, it's really scary. Um, you know, someone had said that it was, um, it had a rare rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And we've had this discussion before, you know, yeah. online ratings mean fuck all because it's to personal taste. But it is a horror film billed as a horror film but it had a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes has it still got a hundred rotten tomatoes bear with bear with fill the dead air fill the dead air our house oh sorry his house in the middle of the street i can't type quick enough you're gonna have to do like the whole whole friggin version that's all i Uh, uh, let's have a look at the rating now yeah still has 100% cure blimey cure blimey so this is very rare for a um, for a horror film to have a 100% and the audience so it's 100% from critics 78% from viewing audience what do you think about that well it's bloody good isn't it Bloody good. It um, is. I think it's oh well, des- well deserving. I've just read the critics' consensus on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, so it's like the the boil down of what the what the uh, reviews are saying. Get this: featuring genuine scares through every corridor, his house is a terrifying look at the spectres of the refugee experience and a stunning feature debut from Remy Weeks. Oh, it was his first film. His first clucking film. Well, can we give him a round of applause? 
Remy. I'm, um, I'm quite intrigued to see like what he comes up with next if this was his first film. Because yes. I feel like I feel like directors' first films are like always testing the waters with like where they can go with things. So I feel like because yeah. this film's had such a good response now, I think anything else that he comes out with next, he'll just kind of run with it. Right. Okay. I have like I'm I'm always very trepidatious when it comes to film that is someone's debut and it is brilliant because I always think okay so now that they've done this this is obviously something that they've been working on for years and years this has been the thing that's been percolating in their head and now they had the success success the studio wants them to make something else maybe it's an idea that they haven't necessarily focused on as much because their first film was their baby and then they're given a budget and I know because I went to uh, I studied film studies at school not school uh university and film production and i know for a fact that as soon as you're given money you always outreach yourself and end up creating something that would actually have been better if you'd scaled it right back and had like less budget so i know what you're saying i am quite looking forward to what to do next but i just hope that he's not blinded by the studio lights and not blinded by the fact that he gets a huge dollop of cash See, I don't, I don't know if you will like, but you can't really find much about him online. Let me have a look. I mean, I feel like because he he is obviously black, I feel like this might have been like a subject close to his heart. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, you can you can tell from every single like sequence within that film that he is writing and directing from the heart. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a story that yeah. means a lot to him. Definitely. But I think that what happened was, it's what gave me this fear was Richard Kelly with Donnie Darko. Now, Donnie Darko, for me, is the perfect movie. It is beautiful. It is, you have to think about it, fantastic performances, brilliant soundtrack, um, and just an expertly put together movie. I love Donnie Darko. But then the director, Richard Kelly, had such a breakthrough success with it, he was given money and went <laughs> on to make the absolutely incomprehensible pile of tosh that is Southland Tales, which to this day, I've watched it probably three to four times. I still have no idea what that film is about. It's, it's incomprehensible crap. And it is because he got more free reign and he got more money. I've never watched Donnie Darko. Oh, I mean, come on, we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) Are you really trying to trash our friendship right now? Donnie Darko. Okay, we, okay, Donnie Darko's on the list. We have to do Donnie Darko. Any Donnie Darko fans out there? There must be hundreds of you. It is just, for me, epitomizes like, the teen, the adult film that that young people would get so much out of. Like as a young person watching it, like I was about fourteen, fifteen when Donnie Darko came out. It's one of those films that just made me go, Oh my god, I love cinema so much. This is like a film that I can just like adore. It's mine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It sounds quite good. 
It's brilliant. I've, I've got so many bloody collector's editions, like DVDs and Blu-rays. I have about five different copies of that film. <laughs> I'll send it to your love. All right, stick it in post. First class. Uh, um, so, yeah, amazing that it's his debut film. But obviously, when you were saying, you know, you'll be looking forward to see what he does next. I just hope that he doesn't go all a bit wanky. Like I don't think he will. Who's that other guy? What's that film? Uh, have you seen It Follows? No. It's it follows what's his name what's his name but Who i feel like it? because it's like it's netflix that have like kind of backed him yeah netflix like things might be slightly different because it's not like hollywood yeah but then the, the next step for him would naturally be hollywood and that's when like fucking executive producers and stuff get involved and they start to meddle with the vision of directors like him that are really good and that's when things can start to go wrong as well. I know I'm being a pessimist about it. I know. And I really hope <laughs> it doesn't go down that route of, you know, him making his next film and it just being completely trashed by um, by studios and by the fact that he's got too much money to know what to do with. But another film, um, It Follows, which is a brilliant movie, uh, it, directed by David Robert Mitchell, is probably one of the most standout films of the last 10 years for me horror films that is such a clever movie i mean the pre- if you told someone the premise they'd be like that sounds shit but when you watch the 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 grit and the style and the the way that that film is made it that brings everything to it so it follows is basically about um a girl who goes on a date uh, she gets on really well with the date. They end up having sex in the back of his car. But then she wakes up strapped to a wheelchair in the middle of a car park. And he tells her that he um, has been sort of contaminated with something that he sees visions of someone following him. And the right. only way to get rid of it is to have sex with someone else and pass it on. So right. it's blatantly, you know, a film about sexually transmitted diseases <laughs> and reputation, you know, this thing. I mean, this creature, whatever it is, follows you, you know, like it follows you at a very small, a slow pace, but it keeps on coming and it can take various forms of people that you love, you know, of complete strangers. But it's terrifying. This thing is always, always coming, slowly walking towards you. You know, you could get in an aeroplane, fly to America and maybe have a couple of months like Grace. But one day you'll wake up and this thing will be walking down the street towards you. Do you know what I mean? There's no escape. The only way you can get rid of it is to have sex with somebody else. But then obviously you're passing on the uh, the responsibility, you know, the, the you know, terror to someone else. Would you really yeah. want to do Brilliant film. The soundtrack is to die for. It harks right back to like uh, symphonic um, 80s, you know, um, soundtracks, you know, using all those really high-pitched, you know, keyboard sounds, which work really well. But then he went on to move to make a film, um, and it's so shit that I've, I think I might have uh, completely blocked it out, <laughs> with uh, Andrew Garfield, something, The Lake or something like that, anyway. 
let me just have a quick look because uh, I don't want to not give the facts. Well, that's the wrong bit. Under the Silver Lake. So he made that. So he made It Follows in 2014 and then he made Under the Silver Lake in 2018. What the hell happened in those four years? I have no idea. This guy (laughs) went from an absolute, like, budding, ingenue, amazing, like, director of It Follows to Under the Silver Lake, which was just a garbled incomprehensible again pile of poop and I, I'm, I'm sure there are fans of the film out there but for me I was so excited to see it because of the success of it yeah. following. and you've got like a really good central performance from Andrew Garfield but it can't save this movie it cannot save it it's just awful it really is bad Right, I'm going to shut up. We're going to pop these bubbles and then you're going to go back to um, his house. His house. I love films and that, but I need a new box set to get my teeth into. Any recommendations? Netflix, Amazon Prime, anything? You watch a lot of of Netflix. It depends what kind of thing you're after. Do you like me, horror movies? Give me a genre and I will give you something to watch. Yeah. If you, if you want a docuseries, then I'm all your gal. <laughs> oh, you love a docuseries. Yeah, I love docuseries. So I think I've watched I mean... every single documentary on Netflix going. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, I love unsolved mysteries, but the theme tune scares yeah. me to the point where I can't sleep. And now you're ahead of me. Like, what's going on with that? I tell you to watch one episode. And now you're like, oh, what do you know on about the tsunami? I'm like, what? Yeah, I've started to watch beyond what you gave me. Yeah. But I love it's it. It's okay. really good. Unsolved Mysteries is really good. If you haven't watched that, watch it. But please, when it says skip intro, say yes, because the music literally gets right under my skin. But the music, <laughs> to me, feels like I'm going to become an unsolved mystery at any minute. Yeah, that's what I like about it, because you're like, oh, it like builds, builds the tents. Yeah, I like that. So, hang on, let's pop some bubbles. Kind of reminds me of the Weeping Angels from Doctor Who. What's up, Keith Andrew 2020? I see you, Catherine 2020. Everybody <laughs> on that 2020. <laughs> Weeping Angels? Do you know what? I, I can't remember what he's thinking, what he's saying in reference to, but I remember thinking at some point during this conversation, that reminds me of the Weeping Angels from Doctor Who. I feel like it's to do it with the, like, the people that live it the in the It form. Follows thing? Is it a thing about the creature following you all the time? No, I, it... I thought about it earlier than that. <sighs> I don't know. I can't remember. This, this is the thing. As soon as I say something, it pretty much just... <laughs> Jetsons it out of my brain. Next. <laughs> Drama, mystery, horror, uh, crime thrillers, anything. Oh, right, here we go then. This is my time to shine. <laughs> right, so, I was, I was actually telling Keith about this the other night. I really recommend that you watch um, Trial 4 on Netflix. I've had to like limit myself to watch like an episode a day because I'm one of those people that will just sit and watch the whole thing. It's 
a, it's a documentary, but it's like a series. So it's a docu-series. Um, and it's about a young black lad that gets arrested for the murder of a police officer, but he claims that he's innocent. And there's no real evidence to say that he has or hasn't done it. Um, and it basically just looks at like the police corruption against the black community in Baltimore in, in the 90s. And it's actually really interesting. It sounds really good. It definitely sounds like Yeah. Well, what else have I watched recently? The trial. Watched... Was, it, was it the trial of the Chicago 7? Did you see that? I've not, but it's on my list to watch. That was very, very good. Um, if you thought... are a fan of short, sharp writing, like, because um, it's, it's written by Aaron Sorkin, who wrote The West Wing, uh, Molly's Game, um, Social Network. So it's his new film. And it is written, I mean, it's probably one of the best written films on Netflix at the moment. So if you like a good crime drama, but also something that's really, really well written, I would suggest uh, <laughs> The Trial of Chicago 7. And then what was the other one? Um, oh, what's it called? The um, Kevin Murphy thing. The, the, um, OJ, the Trial of OJ Simpson. If you've not watched that watch it oh yeah that's the like american crime stories isn't it? yeah i didn't yeah. really rate the assassination of uh, versace i haven't finished that because i just feel like it he just couldn't kind of bounce back from the oj simpson just one yeah um also if you like um horror mystery I'm going to recommend, if you haven't seen it already, and please let me know if you have seen it, because I will want to arrange this chat with you about it. But it's a series called Dark. It's a German series. Uh, you can watch it subtitled or you can watch it dubbed. It's called Dark. It is probably one of the best things I've ever seen. And talk about television that like that is so intricately told. The storyline in Dark is brilliant to the point where i made a list of the characters and their connections to each other because i thought i'm really enjoying this this is like immersive for me it's brilliant like like i said you can watch it subtitled you can watch it dubbed i watch it subtitled because i'm not a fan of dubbing but dark is definitely a series to watch there are three seasons but if you watch it back to back it feels like it goes in five minutes it's that it's that good and another thing that I really recommend by Ryan Murphy is The Politician. I don't know if you've watched it. The Politician? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. It apparently received a Golden Globe for the best TV series and best actor. Oh, really? Yeah, it's about um, like a high school kid who wants to become president. And it's all like about like American politics and things like that. It's quite, it's really, really good. Like I watched the whole two seasons in like about three days. Yeah. Got uh, Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow in it. No, I've not heard of it. What's oh wrong my God, with it's, me? I don't know. I don't I, to be fair, I just that. love anything that Ryan Murphy's done. If he's done it, I'll watch it and I'll probably love it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He's out then, there. Watch, have you watched Ratchet? Well, we've, we've mentioned it. I, I haven't yet. I've not started watching it yet. Yeah. Good. 
I've changed the title slightly, but I will change it back when we start talking about his house again. Uh, but we can still. <laughs> I'm, because... I'm quite interested to know what you've watched out of my saved list on Netflix. What I would watch. No, what you have watched. Okay, well, throw some out to to me. Okay, so I know that you've watched the platform. Yeah. Uh, people, the oh, the, that OJ Simpson thing is called the People versus OJ Simpson. Just in case you want to watch it, I watched it, but I watched it on the BBC. I didn't watch it on Netflix. Is is it the one with um, David Schwimmer? Yeah, Ed, Sarah Paulson. They showed it on yeah. the BBC. Well, BBC Two, I think. Oh, did they? It's yeah. on Netflix. It's really, 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 really good. Um, I think it's good, guys. Yeah. Um, Panic Room. You must have watched Panic Room. Oh, my God. Jodie Foster? Yeah. That film, I remember watching it at a very young age and being really excited about it. Like, it was really exciting. Like, you know, it's just a really good, gripping drama. And I believe it's directed by, by David Fincher. Am I correct? I don't know. You know that I'm rubbish. Yes, it is. David Fincher. Ooh. See, David Fincher, famous for Seven, which is, I think, I think Panic Room was his follow-up film to Seven. So, obviously, a little bit more family-friendly Panic Room, but uh, Seven is one of my favourites, except, unfortunately, Kevin Space is in it, which is really annoying. But what can <laughs> you do? What can you do? That's a lot. Um, let's... Next, next one. Because I was going to watch this the other day. It's a film called Circle. Okay, this is the one with Tom Hanks in it, right? No. No? I think it's a Spanish film. Oh, okay. It says you're in a torture chamber with 50 people. Victims are dropping like flies, but you can save one. Who will it be? I'm... I'm... Google Circle. What year did it come out? 2015. Yeah, I've got it here. Right, Circle. Okay. Held captive and faced with imminent executions, 50 strangers are forced to choose the one person among them who deserves to live. It's got six out of ten. That's not too bad for a horror film. I've I don't it says here that it's a sci-fi thriller, but I've got a 91% match with it on Netflix, so Oh. I feel well, like I am like on IMBD, it's horror, drama, mystery, <laughs> sci-fi, thriller. So maybe it's the thriller element that um, is linked to you. Yeah. Or maybe that's add that to the list of uh, of films. Yeah, for well, us I was to I was going to watch it the other day, and I was like, oh. Yeah. Right. Let's get through some ditties yeah. and then read some more to me. It was when you were talking about um, him following you around, and like, no matter oh. how far you went, he'd be right behind you, because yeah. that's the way they were. They, if you weren't looking at them, they'd come right up on you. Yeah. It is like that, except um, with the creature from It Follows, you can see it walking towards you and it just keeps on walking, but it takes like various forms. Like there's one bit where she's in uh, school and she looks down the corridor and it's, and it's um, in the form of like someone like in, from a hospital, like an old, old man in, from a hospital, like wearing like a hospital gown. And it's just and it's just walking down the, uh, you know, the corridor towards that. No one else can see it apart from like the person who's affected as well. Oh, that's so cool. Is it on Netflix? I really, really hope so, but I don't think it is because it's quite like. I mean, it might be. 
I think it, I think it's on Prime. I've got Prime. It, yeah, I think Prime snatched it up. So I reckon it's on Amazon Prime. But it's such a good film and um, some great performances. And it's really scary. Do you know what I mean? There was talk of a, a, a follow-up, a sequel called Follow It, which I thought was a really good idea where, you know, you actually sort of find out a little bit more about what it is. But um, I so, won't say more because I don't want to spoil it for you. It Follows has got 95% on the tomato meter. Tomato meter. Um, <laughs> it deserves it. It absolutely, totally deserves it. Definitely. Um, it's, I need, I'm, okay. I'm going to watch that. It's a brilliant film. Right, let's do a dit. I have to refer to Dexter if you want a good series to watch. That is amazing. Mm. I love Dexter. First, get into first, it. first four series of Dexter, maybe first five series are superb, absolutely brilliant. The concept of it is so unique. You know, you've got a guy who works for the police force who has an un, you know, unsavory uh, lust for killing himself, but he uses that lust to kill people that deserve it. And uh, I think it's great. The first five seasons, great. The ending of the original show was very, very disappointing. But I don't know whether you heard recently, but they are bringing it back as a limited series. So hopefully they'll undo the wrong of the, I, um, of the end of the last I, season. Yeah, couldn't get into it. I, that surprises me, actually, because, like, for someone who likes the psychological thriller side But of I things. feel like when I tried to watch it, it was many years ago. And I feel yeah. like back then all I really watched was like teen rom-com movies. So I feel like maybe if I tried to watch it now, I'd probably get into it a lot more than I would have done like yeah. four years ago. I mean, big commitment. I mean, it's seven seasons, I think. So it's quite a big commitment. But... I've got nothing else to do, have I? <laughs> exactly. And I think it's... I think. The seasons aren't that much. I think there's only like 12, 13 episodes to a season. So it's not like, you know, one of these shows like, I don't know, Friends that has fucking, I don't know, 50 episodes, it feels like, to each season. But <laughs> Listen, um, I'm watching Friends for the sixth time this year. That's how fucking Corona's got me. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I used to watch a show called 24, which obviously had 24 episodes each mm-hmm. season. Oh, I remember, I remember that. I never watched it, but I remember everyone talking about it. Yeah, I love that. The The concept of 24 is that there's 24 episodes and each episode is the hour of, a d- of the hour of the day. So the whole season takes up one day. Brilliant idea. But it's about, um, you know, terrorist, terrorist threats. So like in the first season, there's like an assassination attempt on a on the, you know, president elect. <laughs> So Jack Bauer, Kiefer Sutherland has to try and find out who's trying to kill, you know, the senator and, you know, also has his wife and daughter kidnapped as well. So he has to deal with all that shit. Um, but the first season is actually my least favourite. I think that it really ups the ante with season two. Um, the concept of season two is that there is a nuclear bomb in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and it's set to go off that day. And it's basically a race against time to stop the bomb. But it... It's brilliant. It really, really holds holds its own. Do you know what I mean? It really, yeah. really 
and it's and it's the ultimate of just one more, just one more, just one more TV's like viewing. Because you... I love that. Like I love it when you just get so immersed in something. You're like, it's two o'clock in the morning, and you're like, oh, just watch one more episode. Just one, watch just one more episode. I remember watching it. Uh, I think um, my Christmas present when I lived in uh, Paris. My Christmas present every year was twenty four box set. So I think like season four, five, six were being released when I was in Paris. And I remember I would I would have two days off and like, me and my friend Cara, who had the same days off of us as me, would just sit in bed and we'd watch 18 episodes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We'd totally and utterly blitz it like in two days. Yeah. Those were the days. Also, those were the days when you had to get up off the bed and change the frigging disc. Oh, God. I remember I had a, an Ugly Betty box set. And I get so annoyed, like when it got to the end of the DVD, and have to get up and like change the DVD. Yeah, annoying. I'm so mm. glad that. But 24 was on Amazon uh, Prime for quite a while because I rewatched them all on Amazon Prime. Freaking loved it, and then for some reason they just took it off, and you can't get it on there anymore. And I was on the last bloody season. That's so annoying. I hate it when they do so things like that. Right. But uh, yeah, twenty four. That's another one out there. If you can find it, or I mean, you can you watch on... it on. You can watch it on Prime. You've just got to pay for it. Yeah, but if you, it's probably cheaper for you to go onto eBay because I think you can buy it like the individual seasons on eBay for like a pound. You know, it's quite a quite an old TV show, and the box sets people would just like. You know, so. It's probably cheaper for you just to pop onto uh, to eBay or something like that and buy the box set. But I also <laughs> have the box set as well because I am an utterly huge, massive goose. Really sorry, guys, but if you pop my bubble, I didn't hear it because my phone went off, so I was on the phone. This is the time when I really wish I could listen to it on the internet so I could still listen to, obviously, this and be on the phone at the same time. So... Really apologise, guys. Um, if you've popped it, I've missed it. Sorry. Don't apologise. He's so nice. He's so nice. I'm on various hey. chats. He gets really involved what? with Comedy Hour as well. Dan Law, what? you are a gent. Yeah. What did he want? Is, was he the guy that wanted the recommendations? Yeah. Your recommendation was Trial... What was it? Trial 4 and The People versus OJ Simpson. And my recommendation was uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7 for a film and Dark, Dark, the um, the series on Netflix, which is just blows my freaking mind. Um, do you know, it's one of those shows that I wish that I could wipe my memory of it like after I'd watched it, just so that I could experience oh. the whole thing again. I love things like that. There's loads of shows that I would, that I have that with. My shows that my memory wipe shows are uh, Twin Peaks. I would love to experience Twin Peaks from the beginning with no prior knowledge because I'm a massive Twin Peaks fan, as you know, because I've got my uh, Twin Peaks tattoo. <laughs> um, 24, I'd love to experience again because it's just an absolute thrill ride. The Leftovers. Now, I have got tried to get so many people into The Leftovers in my life, and I have failed. People just don't seem to want to gravitate to that show. But tell, I'll tell you something. That is the closest that I've ever had to a spiritual experience watching The Leftovers. Hmm. Let me Google. And also, 
Just Justin Theroux. Hello, Justin Theroux. What? He's fucking sexy as hell in that show. He is pretty you know much shirtless for quite a lot of it, and he is a beautiful human being. Oh, wait, he was married to Jennifer Aniston. Huh? He was married to Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. He And he's a really sexy American. He's been in quite a few things. He's um, It was in David Lynch's uh, Mulholland Drive. Really good actor. The Leftovers oh, is Wonderlust. brilliant. Huh? He was in Wanderlust. Yeah. But also, the, the funniest thing is that he is a distant cousin of Louis Theroux, the documentary maker in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't look to, like two different people. How are they related? But I have to tell you this. I have to tell you this story very, very quickly. I was probably this is about six years ago. I was in Leicester Square with a friend, and these two <laughs> Asian girls came over to me. They'd obviously they were obviously visiting London, and they came over and they said, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe it! Uh, can we have your autograph, please? Can we have your autograph?" And I was like, um, "I mean, you can, but I don't know who you think I am. I'm not famous or anything." They're like, "Yes, you are. You're very famous where we where we live." And I was like, "Okay." Um, just out of curiosity, who do you think I am? And they went, you're Louis Theroux. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was actually flattered because that was the time when Louis looked a bit, a bit like a, a bit of a fox at that time. Mm-hmm. So I, um, <coughs> excuse me, I, I signed their, um, their piece of paper and I probably spelt Theroux wrong, but... <laughs> yeah, so I've signed for Louis Theroux. Who knew? But I tell you what, if I had a cousin like Justin Theroux, then I, I'd be breaking so many like state laws right now to be on that. <laughs> moving on, <laughs> moving on. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean original show? Have I missed something? Have they released something new with Dexter? What do you mean original show? original show because they're rebooting it um next year it's coming out they're doing a reboot so they're going to do an extra limited season when i say original show i mean the first original seven seasons and then the reboot is coming out next year so i've got a question question have you ever watched gossip girl Okay, so here's the thing with Gossip Girl. I do think that Gossip Girl would probably want to be one of my things, but um, I never got into it when it was on TV because of like work commitments and things. So it's one of those shows that I never really got to sit down and watch. But everything about Gossip Girl has been spoiled for me. Oh, do, do you know what happened at the end? Yes. Oh, no. I was, I you, was still doing, need, you still uh, I was need doing, to watch it. I was doing a charity event and we were in the changing room and there was two girls. I think it must have been quite soon after the series had finished, like probably maybe two weeks after the the last episode had come out. And there was two girls just sitting there as loud as anything, just discussing what happened in the final episode, like literally in, in every detail. And I was just sitting in the corner, you know, with my Pepsi Max, just ignoring myself. And um, uh, yeah, 
I heard overheard everything. I know everything that happened in the, in the last season in, and pretty much in the last episode. So, Gossip Girl, <laughs> I've never felt like I've needed to go back and watch it because I know what happens at the end. Yeah, but I feel like you still need to watch it because it's just so good. Okay, Gossip Girl. Dan Law, Gossip Girl is, the, is another recommendation. <laughs> but the, the only reason that I ask is because the rebooting it huh they're rebooting it are they they're they're now making another series of gossip girl but with a brand new cast yeah i don't know i don't know if that's gonna work i don't but i feel like there's such a following behind gossip girl that it probably will just be massive yeah yeah, true. Right, let's ditty it. Have either of y'all seen the American show Lie to Me? It's about a man that picks up on your micro aggressions and emotions through your face. It is freaking phenomenal. And you can talk to him and he can almost tell everything you're thinking because he knows every little micro expression that your face and your body does. It's really weird, but it's a really great series. I want to say maybe three seasons. My mum loves that seen, show. Yes, I have seen episodes of it. My mum freaking loves that show. Like, she's hooked. My mum is an American, like, TV show junkie. Like, you'll go around <laughs> her house and she'll be like... she'll. Be, you'll be sitting there watching like the Antiques Roadshow with her and she'll be twitching and you'll be like, you okay, mum? She'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just... I'm just checking the time, making sure when NCIS is on. You're like, oh, for fuck's sake. She loves <laughs> NCIS. She loves NCIS Los Angeles. She's got an absolute, like, unadulterated love for LL Cool J, which I never thought my mother would ever have. Um, but, yeah, she loves <laughs> all those shows. CBS Reality or CBS Drama is literally the channel to go to in my mum's house. Like she just watches it all day, every day when oh, she's not her. when she's not busy. But um, also, guys, I'm going to throw this out here. Catherine, listen to me. This needs to be your next watch. Uh, BBC iPlayer season two has just started. I absolutely love it. It's his dark materials. Oh, you've told me about this. So his dark materials is uh, a series of books by Philip Pullman. So you've got Northern Lights. You've got the Supple Knife. And then the Amber Spyglass. They tried to make an American film of it a few years ago with Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman in the main roles. But it absolutely flopped. Because what they did is they took the most important element out of the film. Which is its its criticism of religion. So the books are very critical of religion they're very critical of um you know anything to do with a higher power so basically his dark materials is set in like a parallel universe to ours and um there's james mcavoy plays him in the series but there's a guy called lord azrael who's trying to prove that that other universes exist and he uses he uses something called dust to try and prove um, dust. The existence dust, um, dust? Of, of other realities because 
that dust is falling um, in on the northern lights. And in the northern lights, they can see cities and they can see other places. And Lord Azraf believes that um, the, the dust is, is highlighting other universes. Now, it flicks between their universe of Lyra and Lord Azraf. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm listening. You're, you're, you're squeaking. Am I? Yeah. It sounds like you're, um, you're playing with <laughs> bubble wrap. <laughs> no. So look, Again. yeah, Lord Asra, I'm, I'm, I need to find someone who's watched the show so I can do a massive uh, discussion with them. But um, the Lord Asra is trying to break through into Power Universe. At the same time, it it's playing out in our universe as well, like our our reality. So there's a there's a boy called Will who lives with his mother. His mother's got mental health issues, and it's playing out in our reality. So. Lyra's character in the parallel universe and Will in our universe, they're linked somehow. I'm not going to tell you how because you haven't read that in the TV series yet, but they're linked somehow. There's a big destiny that that both of them have and they're linked, but obviously they come from two completely parallel places. But the TV series is phenomenal. It is beautifully done and very, very, very faithful to the books. So Catherine... Please, I beg you, you can watch it. It's on BBC iPlayer, so it won't cost you a penny. I know. It's, you know, it's actually saved in my notes from when you were telling me about it. Was it last week? Because I really want to talk to you about it because it is fantastic. And obviously, um, I went to the BFI uh, last year for to the IMAX for the, for the showing of the very first episode. And they had Philip Pullman was there, the guy who wrote it, who is mm. who, God to me. He's, he's, he's God. Like Neil Gaiman and Philip Pullman to me are real life walking on this earth gods. <laughs> um, he was there and a lot of the cast. So Ruth, Ruth Wilson, you do you know Ruth Wilson? No, let me Google her because I'll probably know do her you know, face. Do you watch Dexter? No. Not Dexter, you watch Luther, sorry. Luther. No. Ah, la, la, la. I can't remember, remember what else she's in. She's in What's her name? Ruth. Wilson. Wilson. I think it's Wilson. Oh God! She got like. Hang on, I might have. Hang on. May have got it wrong. Yeah, she's. It says that she's in it. Yeah, she plays Mrs. Coulter, who she's just incredible. And um, the Ruth Wilson, um, Daphne Keane, who plays Lyra, um, and Philip Pullman were all at the event doing a Q&A beforehand. And what they did with it, the, the three books, they filmed the whole thing back to back. All three seasons they filmed back to back, although there is rumours that the third season, The Amber Spyglass, is going to be split into two, two seasons because it's a huge story. You know, it's a very big story to tell yeah. in one season. But they filmed it back to back because they didn't want... The kids to age too much because Aww. Lyra it's very important that Lyra doesn't go over the point of puberty before the end of this of the of the third season because the whole point of Lyra's story is about her being a child and then becoming an adult that's a huge part of the story so they couldn't have her you know be too old in the in the in the final season but um, what I'm really excited about is a little nugget for you. But there's a character in the books called John Parry, who's Will's dad. 
who plays uh-huh. a huge part in the story. And Andrew Scott, sexy priest, is playing <laughs> John Parry in this in the new season. So, oh my God, sex weasel all round for me. Oh, you're going to be in your element. I'm going to need a mop and a bucket. <laughs> Anywho, let's pop these ditties and then let's get back to his house. Remember that film yeah. we were supposed to be talking about? Hello. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, the Leftovers is amazing series. Um, and yeah, Justin, wow. Coming out of that bath, shower, towel wrapped around him. Yes, can't miss that. Just Jack 47, me and you are going to have a t- chat about The Leftovers. If you can watch it again, because uh, <laughs> I watched it again. I watched it again over lockdown because, do you know what? I'm just going to throw it out here. The Leftovers is a TV show that I'm going to go and watch when when the inevitable ha- ev- inevitable happens of me losing someone important in my life. Mm-hmm. Because it is all about grief. And so basically the concept is that one day, just one day, um, one like, I think it's 2% of the world's population just disappear. Just completely. I think it's two or three percent of the world's population one day. Just just go. Boom. One minute they're there, the next minute they're gone. And the series is not about where they went. It's not about that whatsoever. In fact, you um I, I don't want to say you don't find out where they went, but you you actually really don't find out where they go. I'm not I don't want to spoil it too much. Okay. It's called The Leftovers because it's all about the people that are left behind and how they try to put their lives back together after such a, like, devastating thing. You know, like, people are scared about whether, if it's going to happen again. You know, there's a, a whole new religious cult that comes out of it called the Guilty Remnant, who, you know, everyone else in the world is trying to move on, but the guilty remnant don't want people to forget. So therefore, they're basically a, a, a sect of stalkers. They follow people around. They're prominent in like towns and cities because they just, they're forcing people to remember. And um, uh, the cast, I mean, the cast is just out of this world. Like I said, um, Justin Threw is incredible. Um, and then you've got Liv Tyler. Oh, love Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler in it is is something else. I mean, you you know, she's she is a an actress in this. So you got Liv Tyler, um Carrie Coon, who has become very popular. She's been in a lot of series recently. Um you've got Anne Dowd. Do you know Anne Dowd? No. She she deserved if this was a movie, she would have got the Oscar for it because she's just absolutely out of this world and also our very very own christopher eccleston oh yeah he plays uh matt jameson he's um like the local uh uh holy man he's the holy man of the town and obviously you'd think that um if three percent of the world's population vanished that he'd be like standing on a box shouting it's the rapture god's taken them it's the rapture but actually, it's completely the opposite. He hands out pictures of the people that they call departed uh, with all their sins written on it to try and prove that it wasn't the rapture. 
you know, so he'll hand out a piece of paper and say, you know, this guy was abused his family or this guy beat up his wife, and yet he disappeared. So how could it have been the rapture? That's pretty much his standing point from when it happened. But yeah, I would, I cannot recommend The Leftovers enough. It is a spiritual experience. It is something you'll never forget. And it's one of those series that when I got to the last episode and I watched it, I walked away and I felt something had really changed in me to the point where I think that if I lost a family member who was very close to me, I think that The Leftovers has given me a lot of guidance on how to deal with grief. I might need, I need to watch it. You really, really, honestly, 100% do. But yes, thank you very Oh, I've forgotten his name. Oh, bloody hell. I'm terrible. Jack, at... isn't it? Uh, yes. Just Jack. Yeah. So get in touch with me, Just Jack, because we can have a discussion about the leftovers because it is very, very close to my heart. To be fair, the way you've just uh, sounded so passionate about the leftovers, I think I'm going to give that a try. But, Keith, you are the real gentleman. Um, enjoyed your comedy hour last night. Uh, it was brilliant, and you kind of inspired me to do a similar thing. So, yeah. Yay! I'm all Yay. about that. Um, Dan Law, let us know when your, when, your, um, when your event is happening, and I'll be there. Me too, because I bloody love a comedy hour. Comedy hour, comedy I think, I do think you need to rename it, though, because it's not an hour. Well, we've always said that the biggest joke of comedy hour <laughs> is that it's never a fucking hour. Two hours. <laughs> but I and love you how you know, now instead of having it like two and a half hours, you, you cut yourself off after two hours. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Due to the amazing things of technological advances, you can listen to comedy hour now on iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Oh, well, I listen to them uh, every day anyway, so. Yeah, I mean, not you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the others out there. I'm the star remember. feature of all of them, just so you all know. Absolutely. Catherine is a regular contributor. She's like the uh, the ladies on um, Whose Line Is It Anyway? She's one <laughs> of the panel. You're one of the panel. Yeah. I would love to be on a comedy panel show. Yeah, definitely. So but we've I'm not, straight. I'm so I think you do I... really good. <laughs> I think that you just need to control yourself a little bit when someone says something you'll be like fuck off <laughs> <laughs> nobody cares nobody cares I must admit I've um, I, I've I'm very um, surprised that I've had the I've had the lack of nobody cares in this conversation <laughs> well because there's a time and a place Keith and this is not the time not no. the place as you probably guess, I am very passionate about the things that I like. And yes. for me, it's not necessarily about getting in, getting pure enjoyment from the from the films and TV shows that I watch. I love sharing things with people. Do you know what I mean? And talking about yeah. them. So if I've I mean the leftovers is 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 to me one of the best things and most personal, beautiful things I've ever seen. But it doesn't really mean much if I can't talk about it with someone. So that is why I'm very anxious about getting as many people to watch these things and having a discussion about it. Because to me, that is pure and utter heaven. I get you. I feel you. Sorry, I just got a phone call. My mum's trying to call me. Oh, bloody hell. Not now, mother. Don't ignore your mother. 
No, I'll call her back in a minute. <laughs> I'll call her back in a minute. It's fine. Um, I'll call her back when we're done. So um, let's just listen to this ditty and we'll talk again. Keith, I'm going to do Feel Good Fridays, so they're going to be my comedy nights. And this Sunday, I'm actually on with a friend of mine. Uh, we've both been through mental health issues in the past. So this Sunday is to talk about mental health and how you can improve your mental health. That's starting at 6pm. Um, and the Feel Good Fridays will be scheduled in soon. Brilliant. We're there. Whoop, whoop. Do you know the saying, be there or be square? Yeah. Do you know why it's B there or B square? Is B square some sort of mathematical? No, it's because if you're not there, you're not around. Hello? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> do you get it? I do get it. I do. Very you're good. Not a, you're not around. Aww. I just forgot what show I was on for a moment then. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> um, brilliant. Thank you, Dan Law. If any of you out there are listening and you want to head over to Dan Law's Feel Good Friday and also his mental health show on Sunday, then uh, please do. I will be there definitely to show my yeah. support. I've just followed um, you, Dan, so I'll get the notification. Super duper. So we do need to um, go back to our original. <laughs> the reason why we started this conversation is house. Okay, in so the middle about... of the street. Here's house. So we've talked Sorry. about the elements of um, like the cultural references and you know the society references of the refugee crisis. We spoke about. The acting, we spoke about the director. One um, one thing that I, I do just want to touch upon before we move into other things um, is the way that the characters, the character building happens from the start, like the second the film starts. Like you yeah. really feel empathetic for, for this couple. And it's not, it's not a slow builder. It's literally like straight away, bam. Yeah. Just to reiterate, guys, if you're listening, we are talking about um, the, uh, His House. It's available on Netflix now. It's a film um, by Remy Weeks. We were discussing it earlier on in this uh, discussion. We're going to go back to that quickly because we need to hear the lovely Catherine's uh, theory about it. So um, for me, I think the thing I found really clever about it was... Like we were talking about the music, you know, it was very subtle. Things were happening in the background, but there wasn't usually the, you know, the cues that you get in a horror film where, you know, something bad's about to happen, so the music builds, and then mm-hmm. things were just happening all the time. It's not like there was a massive slow build-up and then boom, 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 things were, like, were there. They were happening no. around all the time, and they were happening to both the wife and her husband. Mm-hmm. So at one minute you're thinking, okay, well, is this all in the head of the husband or is this in the head of the wife? But it's not because it's happening to both of them at the same time. So yeah. that was really, really good. I thought, okay, obviously that reaction, your theory is... <laughs> Bloody hell. Just letting you know, know. don't agree. Um, and we are going to be discussing the twist. 
uh, when it comes yes. to your theory, aren't we? So we'll have to do a spoiler alert. But if you've already well, no, seen it... No, my, my theory isn't the twist. Like, it, it's incorporated, but it's not like... Yeah. Well, if... Um... What was I going to say? If your theory can go can be told without mentioning the twist at the end then i think that's probably a good idea yeah i think it can okay so um i think the the whole production is beautiful the lighting the uh the set of the house itself is mm-hmm. very claustrophobic is very lonesome the color schemes in the house are very sort of like an earthy palette which i think yeah there's quite a lot of colours in there that would actually make you think that they that link back to sort of the North African yeah, style yeah, yeah. where they come from. I thought, which was I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have we got to say about it? Obviously, not mentioning the twist at the end. This film really did pull the rug from underneath me at the end. Yeah, I was like, oh my god! Like the one yeah, thing yeah. that you would not expect to happen happens yeah i agree and also it's shocking because because the plot leans towards a very sort of sort of more traditional plot line and then when the twist happens it it completely and utterly changes everything about the story how you view the characters how you view the situation, how you are sympathetic towards people in the film. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? At one minute, you're very sympathetic. You know, like I told you at the beginning of the movie, I was like, I don't know if I can watch this because my empathy levels are going through the roof and I might have a breakdown. Yeah. By the end of the film, I was a little bit angry (laughs) that I had been manipulated like this. Yeah, I suppose so. But angry in a good way, like patting the person on the back going, well done, you bastards. <laughs> you got me. I mean, not like going, how dare you? I feel cheated. It was like, okay, you got me. I was one for literally, I went from feeling one emotion to feeling the complete opposite in the next breath. Yeah. So with that said, I think... um I think that's all I can really say about it from my point of view. I thought it was, I thought it was excellent. I think okay. it was, um, I was going to say, I just, I just think it's a new, um, I'll just say this very quickly. Horror these days is really taking its turn into um, social commentary. So you've got uh, quite a few films that are dealing with, um, there's a film called Relic, which is out at the moment. It's an Australian film. Really heavily deals with um, the idea of dementia and Alzheimer's and how it changes a family's perspective of someone. So in that film, the grandma starts to physically change. Her behaviour changes, but she physically changes and starts to turn into what I can only describe as some sort of weird demon. But obviously she's not turning into a demon, but her through the eyes of her kids she's completely changing into something unrecognizable which is a metaphor for dementia and alzheimer's Uh 
So, and then this house, obviously, there's huge uh, social commentary about the refugee crisis. Yeah. So, and also in something like um, something like Midsummer. Uh, Midsummer is a film about post-traumatic stress. You know, so there's a lot of horror these days is doing a really good job at um, involving like social issues and social commentary into them. And I think that um, his house is probably a standout um, addition to how horror is really telling stories of modern times and modern issues. I agree massively. I don't like old school horrors, as, as we know. But I feel like recently it's a genre that I've really got into because it's more like modern things that I've been watching. Yeah. And you can really relate to them because they're talking about <laughs> issues and things that, you know, we're all feeling. I have no doubt yeah. over the next 10 years, horror is going to be about isolation, about uh, <laughs> fear, fear of something invisible. I honestly do think that that's the way that yeah. um, that horror is going to go due to uh, due to COVID nineteen. The good old COVID. Yes. Right. I'm sitting back. I've got my lukewarm coffee ready. Let's. Go. Well, I feel like this isn't going to be as mind blowing as you think it is. I don't expect it to be for this film because my yeah, mind was not... watching it. Yeah, so obviously, in the beginning, um, it was very apparent that he he suffers with some sort of PTSD. Yeah. And I feel like that's all the film is. Is him coming to terms with what has happened. Because if you notice, the majority of stuff seems to happen late at night or when it's dark in the house, which is when people feel most vulnerable and, and most scared is, you know, like someone with mental health issues like PTSD and things like that, when they've come from a situation like that, they're not going to feel scared in the middle of the day in your pub or in the kitchen. But at night time, it kind of like elevates everything. So I do feel like it is just him in his head. I mean, like we discussed a minute ago, I thought that from the beginning as well. But then, obviously, there's the the elements of his wife seeing pretty much the same thing as he is. But then I that, feel like that, that into it? is letting that is him letting her in to how he's thinking and like allowing her to help him, like not get over his PTSD, but like kind of help him with it. So because they're so connected on a level, she kind of feels everything that he's feeling. Okay, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah, I could I could definitely I could subscribe to that. Um I think I the only thing that I think would make me think about that is that they they do, they are at odds at one part of the film. They are really like the polar opposites. You know, he is trying to fit into um into the new life in the UK and she is sort of holding on to like her African like identity, uh, you know, like wearing African like dress, mm-hmm. you know, when they have visitors and things like that. So 
you know, they're still seeing the same, having the same experiences, but even though they've drifted like far apart at one point in the film. I get what you mean, but I, I feel like he he sees a lot more than she does. So, like, obviously, she's also been through this horrific thing, so she's also struggling mentally, but I don't think it's as bad as him because of what he did. Yeah, be careful. Yeah, I don't, I'm trying not to say, but obviously he did this terrible thing, which is going to cause him to have a lot more guilt than what she would. You see, try... Try. I, I mean, I, I'm telling you to be careful. I'm bloody about to go, walk along a minefield. Um, <laughs> I think that she is more culpable. Like she is equally as culpable in that thing than he is. Mm, I wouldn't agree. Oh, I can't say anything because it's for the film. Um. But what I do find really, really interesting about the twist is when she goes out the back door and she ends up somewhere. Do you know what part I'm talking about? Yeah. It's almost like she appears to be escaping to somewhere that she feels safe. Like a mind palace. Yeah, because it's quite interesting that she's gone back to... Is it Sudan that they're from? Um, Yeah, North Africa. She's gone back there to feel safe in her head, but it's where they've just escaped. Yeah. I mean, I did think about that, you know, whether it is, you know, they Mm. always say, don't they, that people that go through traumatic experiences, you know, might like, you know, not be as extrovert sort of being like, go to the place in their mind where they feel the most safe. And I suppose for her, that place was where she goes in the film. I loved how we were drip fed like the conclusion of the film. We were just given Yeah, because it was like, what's going bit. on? What what why has she gone here? And then it's then she they say that when she says to that woman, Where's my I'm not gonna say what? And they're like, What are you on about? Like you haven't got one and then it's like what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, really clever. But there was so, a, a line in, in the film that kind of makes me think that um, it is to do with like the mental health side of things. I, I didn't write down who said it, but someone says, ghosts follow you, and when you let them in, that's when you begin to live life. I think it might be her that says it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? A lot to think about there. I do subscribe to, like, probably about 90% of your theory. There's Mm. just a few things. I think also, you know, we've spoken about my love for getting immersed in a narrative. So I've, you know, and in this film, I I really hope that all those supernatural elements are real because Mm -hmm. it's such a fantastical idea of bringing you know, North African, you know, folklore to what a suburban council estate in where you don't actually know where they are, do you? No, because you you never find out because like even when he's in the barbers and he's like, 
where are we? He's just like, oh, on the high street. Like, you never find out where they are. No. I can imagine it's probably London. Yeah. Or, or, no, because he says uh, London and the guy goes, yeah, whatever, mate. Yeah. But, like, that's, like, not confirming nor denying, is it? It's like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's it's almost like a wherever you want it to be, you are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what difference does it actually make to them if they know whereabouts in the UK they yeah. are? Do you know what I mean? But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, yeah, I subscribe to it. I, I just, I think that 10% of me going, um, I question it, is purely because I want it. I want the, uh, I want the ghosts to be real. I want the, uh, you know, the demon to be real. Because I love that shit. <laughs> but I just, I, I feel it. like... Like, I don't know, like, obviously trauma occupies everybody's minds differently. And, like, yeah. to to not acknowledge trauma in your head kind of only makes it a lot more present. It only kind of makes it kind of, like, come through a lot stronger, which is kind of, like, played out in the the film because um, he, he tries to ignore what's going on and it just... it it makes it worse in the house. Do you get what I mean? So it's almost like what goes on in someone's mind is being like played out in the house. Yeah. I mean, it's like suppression, isn't it? Suppression of mm. anything, of any emotion is that bad. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't yeah. think what it was called. Suppression. Yeah, suppression of anything is um, is bad for you because, you know, like if you just let something build up, like an emotion it's like if you think of a bad emotion being like a like a chemical like a substance and you're letting it boil and bubble inside you, uh, you you're gonna go pop at some point you know or you're gonna get yeah. poisoned with it. so yeah no i completely and utterly subscribe to a lot about what you're saying definitely hundred hundo p as the kids would say and and as well it's like that situation at the end that happens in the kitchen. So yeah. Just whack the whistle. Um, like when that thing kind of starts to get under his skin, like that kind of like solidified that idea for me as well because it's this creature that's like under, like he's trying to get in him. So is it like okay. that's where this demon's kind of been living all this time? Okay. Yeah. No, definitely. I do agree. Yeah. There, there's a lot in that that I could definitely um, subscribe to with the film. Definitely. Um, but, you know, like I said, for me, I just, I just want those, uh, <laughs> those paranormal, you know, things to be, I do, because I, I do love the fact, I do love the mixture of the, the folklore and like the British sort of setting, I th- I think it's brilliant. I think I think it's really good, like how they mix that together. But yeah, yeah, it's really good. And I know that you you know you have to come to these things sometimes with um, a more logical head on your shoulders, and your <laughs> explanation does um, does subscribe to that. So yes, okay, you win again, three out of three. <laughs> Listen, it's not it's not my fault I read between those lines but to be fair that one was a lot easier to come to like I feel like yeah, anybody yeah. watching that film could kind of like be on board 
with that theory. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. It's a lot easier to so, find. Um, for our next uh, pick, would you like to go with the same genre? Would you like to maybe do something a little bit different? Because I have a film in mind. Um, it's a- It actually comes out tomorrow. I have heard so much about this film, but I've never actually seen it. What's it called? It's called Sorry to Bother You. Is it on Netflix? It's coming out tomorrow on Netflix. Which will be Sunday the 15th of November 2020. Is it a comedy slash fantasy? Yes. He, uh, he's a talented salesman whose success opens the company's biggest doors. The question is, does he want to enter? I've heard really good things about it. Okay, one second. What do you think? Something a bit lighter. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the best at reviewing light films, but <laughs> we can give it a go. Say that again, sorry. I'm not the best at reviewing light films. I'm just all about the theory, aren't I? I'll probably find a okay, theory can, in this. Choose... I'll probably find a theory in it. So. Okay, let, let's choose something else. Let's see what else is coming out. Well, let me... Because uh... there was a reason why I was going through my Netflix films. Okay. Because why, there's a couple on there that I feel like... So, okay. have you ever watched 1922? 1922? Yeah. Okay, if this is the Stephen King film, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Okay, right, okay. Let me have a look. Is that? Look. Yeah. It's Netflix. I've been, right, well, I've been meaning to watch this for a very long time. In fact, it's already in my freaking list. So that, that shows <laughs> you. Okay, so let's pause um, the idea of, okay, have you seen Gerald's Game? No, but everyone keeps telling me to watch it. Maybe we should schedule it for something for next week and do a double bill, 1922 and Gerald's Game. Okay. How does that sound? How does that yeah. sound, listeners? That sounds good to me. <laughs> we have none. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So was... we'll do a double bill. Stephen King double bill of 1922. And Gerald's Game is also a Stephen King book, by the way. Yeah. FYI. Have you ever watched um, Look Away? That's another one that I've put in my list. Look away, look away, look away. Um, No, but I think that it's going to be something that we can do the week after. Oh, Lulu I, Kids, I... that's not it. <laughs> it says here she had secret desires to inflict harm on those who wronged her until her mirror, mirror image made them reality. Right, okay. This can we can do this one the week after then, and I'm definitely in because I've just seen that Jason Isaac's in it, and I love the Isaacs. I'm I'm literally just reading you what I've saved on my Netflix. See if you've watched any. There was another one as well called Cam. Cam C A M. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that. It's good. Is it good? Right. Okay. I might watch Um, it just to watch it. Again, it's a film um, which has very like a good social commentary. And satire, and it's a Bloomhouse film as well. And you know how I'm, how I've got a hard on. Oh, yeah, we do. I love them. I fucking love them. Um, okay, so let's make double a plan bill next week. next week. 
Next week, we're going to do 1922 and Gerald's game as yep. a double bill. And then um, the week after, we'll do Look Away and maybe Cam as a double bill. Give us yeah. something to talk about. Yeah? It sounds good? like a plan. Woo! Well, thank you very much for joining us. I know I'm cutting it a little bit short today, but I absolutely stink and I need to go and have a shower. Yeah, you need to go and phone your mother back as well. Of course, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. I didn't I didn't even think about that. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> thank you, Catherine. I really, really enjoy our chats. I know that sometimes I go off on a tandem, but I think that makes it more interesting. It's fine. It's just because you're passionate. Very passionate. Well, thank you. I might go and dye my hair. And I, I'm going to see you later anyway, so. Yes. So it's all good in the hood. It's all good Thanks in the hood. Thanks right, I shall speak to you. Right, speak to you later Thank on. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Films I Love Most podcast live. Don't forget, you can get involved on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to send us an email with any suggestions or recommendations, you can send those to filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com. Thank you very much. And I hope that you join us next time here at the Films I Love Most podcast. (laughs) 